Well, turning your Bibles, if you want to, to Deuteronomy 18. I'm going to have it up on the board and just, I mean, up on the slide. But just go ahead and turn there if you want to. Deuteronomy 18. <clears throat> now, if you look on your page, after you see it says demons 1, 2, 3. Did everybody see that? On your handout, right? And then does yours say Deuteronomy 19? It should say Deuteronomy 18. Okay, that's a mistake. The slides and everything are going to be right. Just your book, that's just the wrong place. It should say Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 11. So turn there. We're continuing in our study of angels and demons. It's a, I think it's a unique study. It's kind of fun because we're looking at details of these spirit beings. And listen, they're in this room. They're everywhere. There's a battle going on we don't understand. When you look at the Old Testament, there seems to be demons and angels dealing with countries. There's demons and angels that deal with people. When you look at the life of Christ, there's demons there all the time and angels and just they're everywhere and we've seen that they're all throughout the Bible and what are they like we know that <clears throat> there are good angels and sometimes some they're even called elect angels they're good angels they serve God and then there's bad angels they're often called demons or unclean spirits they're opposed to God and man so they, we've got these beings that none of us can see think about this there are beings out there that we can't see that are both good for us and bad for us. And the book of Hebrews says that angels are, were given to be servants or helpers for us. They're for us. That's, I think that's Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. So we'd say, man, you've got angels that are there for us. But then you've got demons that are opposed to us. And so it's kind of a battle. We begin look, our study looking at the good angels, and they worship and serve God, and they serve man. And then for the last number of lessons, we focused on Satan. And he's the prince of the demons, the fallen angel who rebelled in pride against God. I mean, that's, we've seen him a, a lot. And then we, uh, he's called Lucifer. He is opposed to God and man. He ruled over the angels that followed him, and we call them demons. And, and so what we're going to be doing tonight, we're going to actually start looking at more demons rather than just Satan himself. But how does Satan deal with mankind? We have seen this already, that for the unbeliever, what? What does he want? For them to never believe. If, if, would he rather have a person going to church every Sunday and thinking going to church is saving them or a guy who's drunk in the gutter? You know, the guy drunk in the gutter may say, there's something better than this. The guy going to church says, I got, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm fine. So you just got to be really careful when we think about Satan and his plan because he loves religion. I mean, think how many religions there are in the world. Think of all those things. So, and that, Now, for a believer, what's the plan? For never to serve. He just, if we could just get confused, if we could get like, oh, I love motorcycle racing. Oh, I love this. You know, I love sailing. I had a friend that sailed, and he said, you know, I really would like to come to church some, but Sunday's the day I go sailing. And, and, and so there's nothing wrong with sailing. But he never came to church. What if you get up every morning and you read two newspapers, it takes you an hour and a half, and you love reading newspapers, but you never read your Bible? There's nothing wrong with reading newspapers, but you should be doing something. You know, so what we're getting at is he just wants you to get your mind off Jesus Christ. And uh, we saw in our last lesson, the devil, and the key word to deal with him is humility, come under the authority of God, uh, put on the armor of God, and stand strong. And so tonight, well, let me put it this way. Tonight we're going to look at demons, and we're going to look at three things. We're going to start the demons. We're going to look at three big areas, the religions, the cults, and the occult. A lot of times people think cults and occults are the same thing. We'll say that they're not exactly, and we'll see the destiny. Now, this will be, we'll start this tonight. And we'll get to the occult a little bit. And then the next lesson, I think in your book, if you look at it, it is more dealing with the occult. That's, that's kind of the plan. So three big things. We're going to get some background. We're going to get three, um, the three big areas, religions, cults, and the occult. And by the way, think about this. Uh, a religion is man doing what? Trying to get the God and the cults or something where they basically take Jesus Christ and change everything. And then the occult has to do with mysticism and demonic stuff and all that. All of this is wrong. People say religion, you know. People in our country, and that's true. I hope everybody has the right to worship or believe whatever they want to believe. Now, that doesn't mean we have to say everything's right. I mean, you and I can say, you, this guy has a right to follow L. Ron Hubbard and think that the world began by some spaceship coming up and things blowing up and people floating around. and they become, I mean, if he wants to believe that, that's him. But that doesn't mean I have to say that's right. 
So, I mean, so we'll think about these things as we get there. Okay, so <clears throat> every summer we go to L.A., Lower Alabama, and we go there, and we always stop and eat at different places. You know, I, I, don't, I have been to the real L.A., uh, I went there for the Olympics in 1984. It was pretty amazing. Uh, anyway, uh, when we go to Lower Alabama, we always stop. And, and one year we were going down, and my daughter Sarah said, Daddy, have you noticed all the palm readers and the psychics and the tarot cards? And as we were coming down that highway, getting closer and closer to the beach, there were all these you know, palm reading, a big hand up like that, you know, or psychics and tarot cards and all this. We saw a number of that. What are these places? Well, these, these people are saying, you come in here, I'll read your palm, and I can tell about your future or something. Or you come in here, and, and we'll, we'll pull out these cards, and we'll go, oh, okay, this means, it. you know, and, and, and all of those things. And so, what are these places? Is it okay to play around with these things? I've had people say, ah, it's nothing, it doesn't matter. Let me just say something. The problem is there is a connection to the spirit world, and it's not a good spirit world. And it's not good angels, it's bad angels. And so it is not a good idea to play around with that mess. Now let me show you something. Deuteronomy 18, <clears throat> notice what God says to his people when they come into the land. When you enter the land where the Lord your God gives you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. What were they? There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire. Molech was a god that the people worshipped in, uh, in, in the land that the Jewish people came in. They, worshipped, they took their babies and they threw them in a fire to worship Molech, a god called Molech. He said, don't do that, don't do that. Uh, one who uses divination. I'm going to tell the future, I'm going to tell something. One who practices witchcraft. One who interprets omens or a sorcerer, or one who casts a spell, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord, and because of these detestable things, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. Because he's basically saying, because these people do these things, I'm removing them from the land, giving you the land. It's their land anyway, but it, that's what happened. But notice what he warns about. He warns about not... Sacrificing your children, not in deviation, work, witchcraft, omens, sorcerers, spells, mediums, spiritists, calling upon the dead. I mean, when you hear people, and, and, and I've talked to people who said, well, when a person dies, like, the, the, like their spirit, doesn't it just like float around and, and, and they could haunt you? Or, you know, you could, you could get in a seance and get around a table and, and the spirit of Uncle Joe will come back. And so, this is the most ridiculous thing you're going to ever hear. Now, those, those things that we're talking about, they're dangerous. It's not that there's no such thing as Uncle Joe coming back. It's not Uncle Joe. It's a demonic influence. It's demonic beings, and so we've got to be pretty careful. God warned the Jews about this, and so this. When a person does these things, should say they, they open themselves up to the spirit world. And when we say spirit world, we're not meaning the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> we're not meaning good things from God. We're meaning uh, demonic aspects that are out there. And so be really careful when people do this sort of thing. And I have at the bottom of the page that what has happened in America in the last 50 years. When you start thinking about this country, and I'm, I'm reading a book. A guy sent me a, a book, and he said it's the best basic history book of the United States he'd ever read. And you know, I like history, so I got it. It's pretty thick, so what I'm doing is like reading one little section at a night just to get it. But it talks about our country and how our country was formed and what the people believed. And they were many, some of them were deists, which means they believed in God. Some of them were Christians. And, but they had principles and truths, and they said that this, this concept has to be based on, Judeo, we'd say, Judeo-Christian values, or it won't last. They just won't. And so, but what's happened, and I've watched it in my lifetime, is our country has changed and our world has changed. That Eastern mysticism, yoga, false religions, Hinduism, Buddhism, mystics, witchcraft, people are opening themselves up to all kind of things. And the values that we would say are right have just eroded over the years. Uh, we were, somebody was talking to me uh, earlier. I can't even remember who said it. But here is, here is the Speaker of the House and being made fun of because he's a Christian being made fun of because he's a Christian. When I was a boy, you were made fun of if you weren't a Christian. In fact, let me, I'll tell you, uh, I got, 
I got to write up in the paper. Okay, somebody wanted to write up an article about me when I was like uh, 16 years old. And they came in and interviewed me. And of course, what's the one the thing they ask? In my day and time, what'd they ask? What church do you go to? I didn't go to a church. But one time we had gone to Poplar Springs Drive Presbyterian Church. So I put down Poplar Springs Drive Presbyterian Church because everybody in that day and time either went to church or said they went to church. Nowadays, we've got a whole group of people that they call the nuns. They don't have anything. And, uh, and so you just see how the world has changed. And I think what's happened a lot is people are opening themselves up <clears throat> to demonic forces and those kind of things. So let's get, let's get some background. The background about demons. Matthew 25, 40, 41 talks about the devil and his angels. We know that there is a spirit being called Satan, and then there's a whole bunch of angels that we just call them demons, and they are they're spirit beings. This is a spirit being. They're all spirit beings. But these angels are actually working with this other angel. We know that Satan was the prince of the power of the air. He was guarding the throne of God. He did all of that. And uh, Satan is called the ruler of the demons because now there's a whole bunch of you know bunch of angels that follow him. Let me let me just say this. You know we think about how many people could you imagine have lived on the face of the earth up to now. Think about how many millions and millions of people there have lived. Well, if you look in the scripture as well, when we see the book of Revelation, how many angels are there? There's, there are 200 million demon angels coming across that Euphrates River deal when we, when we look, look at it. So they're everywhere. So this book, Bible says, this, uh, the, uh, this handout thing says, the devil and his angels, Satan is called the ruler of the demons. Mark 12, 22 and Mark, uh, Matthew 12, 22 and Mark 5 says that demons possess people. I mean, they're there. And there are these evil spirit beings and they fail with Satan. One of the things that we have <clears throat> is as we put this up in Revelation it says that another sign appeared in heaven and behold a great red dragon. Who's the red dragon? Satan having seven heads and ten horns. What's the seven heads? Seven Gentile world what? Empires. What's the ten horns? The ten king federation. And on his heads were seven diadems crowns and his tail swept away what? A third of the stars of heaven and through to the earth. The best we can understand, nobody knows. Most people believe, most scholars and everything else say, that appears to say that here's this dragon and he's sweeping away a third of the stars and the stars are referring to the angels. And so a third of the angels went with Satan and it, you might say that, 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 that they, we would call them demons. And so a third of the angels followed Satan. And that's what we say. Now think about this. If, if there are 200 million about dealing with the Euphrates River, and that's just one little point, if, if, if you said 200 million is a third of the, angel, of the bad angels, you know, so, but two-thirds of that, you know, it's just the number is uh, beyond comprehension. As we think about these evil beings, uh, <clears throat> some have already been judged and some will be judged. These evil beings. Let me show you something here. This is Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into heaven. Now the word is translated there, hell, but it is not the word hell. It is the Greek word Tartarus. Okay, I'll show you where it is in just a minute. And committed them to the pits of darkness reserved for what? Judgment. If he cast them into hell, the lake of fire... They wouldn't be reserved for judgment because they're already what? They're already there. So let me just show you something here real quickly. And, we'll, and, and, and the last lesson, uh, we're going to go in a lot more detail on this. But in the heart of the earth, this is Luke. If you want to just write this down, Luke chapter 16. There, Jesus talks about this place in the heart of the earth. It's called Sheol, which is a Hebrew word. It's called Hades, which is a Greek word. And at the time before Jesus died on the cross... A believer, when they died, they went to this side. It was called paradise. It was also called Abraham's bosom. When an unbeliever died, they went to this side. We've always, they're in torment, so we've called it torments. Now, after Jesus died and rose again, he came and took the believers out of this part. So nowadays, when a believer dies, where do they go? To be absent from the body is present with the Lord. Where does the unbeliever go? Right back down there. Now, we think that in the heart of the earth, and there's a big gulf in between, that there's a place 
that we, they call Tartarus, that God actually took some of these demons, for God did not spare the angels when they sinned. When did these angels sin? If you look at Second Peter and the book of Jude and go back to Genesis chapter 6, it appears that some angels, we've said it a lot of times, that angels came down, had some kind of way of having sex with human, with human women with, and, and caused all kind of things. And so those angels sinned. And it says, for those angels, if God did not spare those angels when they sinned, but cast them into Tartarus. We think that there are angels bound in this place in the heart of the earth now. And that's called Tartarus. Um, if you remember when Jesus died, he was where? Three days and three nights where? In the heart of the earth. We, and there's a place in Peter uh, and that talks about how he preached to the demons or he preached to the angels. I think he went down here sometime during the three days and three nights and went to these angels and basically told them they failed. Because they were trying to stop the Messiah from coming, and Jesus came and died. Now, that's just what I think by looking at the passage. But anyway, so there are some angels, bad angels, that when they sin, they're already cast into Tartarus. That's not lake of fire. And then committed into pits of darkness. That's reserved for judgment. There's a judgment coming. Unclean spirits will be judged. There is a battle. Our battle is not against what? Flesh and blood, but against rulers, against principalities. Okay, now, here's another one. Matthew 8, 28 and 29. Here's, here's these demons, and they see Jesus, and they cried out saying, What business do we have with each other, Son of God? Now, notice the next line. Have you come here to torment us before what? Before the time. What time? The time that he judges them. The time that he casts them into the lake of fire. You know that the lake of fire was prepared for who? The devil and his angels. The lake of fire was prepared for the devil and his angels. People who go to the lake of fire go because they have not believed. Okay? So he says, have you come to torment us before our time? So they're evil beings. So let's think about the three big areas. Everybody okay? Everybody got it? Okay. Let's talk about the three big areas. We're going to look at religions, cults, and the occult. And, and before we get that, let's just, before we actually get to religions, let's, let's realize that uh, demons want to harm people. Demons desire to harm people. Two aspects. For the unbeliever, let me say it. I put possess and for the believer influence, but let me just say this too. They would love to influence unbelievers too. It's not just they want to possess an unbeliever. They want to influence an unbeliever, and they also want to influence believers. And they're there, and they're looking for openings all the time. And it amazes to me how many people uh, will go and read a horoscope, or how many people will go and have a palm read, how many people will go and go to somebody who's going to tell them their future somehow. Uh, you know, I, I could still you know, crystal ball, and you think those, those are silly on a Ouija board, and we'll talk more about all that stuff in just a little bit. So the, the desire to harm people, the two aspects, uh, the, the goal is to, uh, uh, for the unbeliever, the goal is to possess, let me put this, the goal is to possess, affect, and harm. And we see in the scripture possession. Now let me just say this, when you look through the scripture, there seems to be times in which demonic possession and demonic activity is greater than at other times. You, you could see it with Moses uh, and Pharaoh and all the false gods of Egypt. You see it at the time of Christ. I mean, at the time of Christ, there was possession everywhere, and Jesus was casting out demons. It just seems to be more. We see even in the early part of the church where they're seeking to stand for God and to take the message, there's, there's demonic stuff as well. So let's do this. <clears throat> let's see one of the most famous passages. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 5, okay? Mark chapter 5. Let's look at a passage that <clears throat> is pretty famous for this whole demonic thing. Mark chapter 5, and we call it the demoniac. Mark chapter 5, verse 2, there's an unclean spirit. This is a demon. This man has unclean spirits living in him. I put it that way on purpose. Let's read it. Mark chapter 5, it says, They came to the other side of the sea in the country of the Gesserines. When he got out of the boat, this is Jesus. When he got out of the boat immediately. Now, this is the gospel of Mark. Here's something you might want to do. The gospel of Mark shows Jesus as the what? Anybody know? Servant. So it goes fast. 
look at the Gospel of Mark and see how many times the word immediately is in the Gospel of Mark. And immediately he did this, and immediately he did this, and immediately he did this. It's all the way through the book. So watch what it says here. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. So here's this man that has, uh, and it says, it just says here, with an, with an unclean spirit. We don't know all the information yet. We're just saying this is a demon-possessed man. We're going to find that he has more than one demon in him. And so we might even say, what? What happened to this man? Notice the next verse. <clears throat> and he had, he had his dwelling among the tombs. What? He's living in a graveyard. And no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken to pieces. Nobody was strong enough to subdue him. You go, what a cry. They put him in chains. They just snaps him off. And, and, you know, you think Incredible Hook or something. But anyways, I mean, just amazing. And then verse 5, constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. Now, picture this guy. You, you live in that area, let's say. Everybody says, don't go over there. Don't go over there. There's a crazy man over there. There's a man demon-possessed. He screams. He cuts himself with rocks. He goes around all over the place. I mean, he's just, he's crazy. And, of course, they would also say he's demonic. He's, he's, he's possessed by some kind of demon. That's what's going on. Now, we already said in Deuteronomy 18, stay away from what? Witchcraft, mediums. Listen, the Bible doesn't tell us about this man. But what could have happened for him to be possessed. And we're going to talk about not by one demon, but by a number of demons. What could have happened? Could he have messed around with false gods? Could he have worshipped things wrong? Could he have got in some kind of... Uh, who, who knows? We don't know what happened. You remember when Jesus healed that guy who'd been there for all those years by the pool of Beth Beth Bethesda? And, and he told him to pick up your mat and go. And the guy had been there for a long time. Jesus comes back and says... Don't go and sin anymore so nothing worse will happen to you. It implies that he was there because of his sin, something. So what happened here? Why is this man in the tombs? Nobody can hold him down. He's screaming. He's cutting himself with rocks. What is, what is going on with this man? So we don't know. We just know. And then notice what happened. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up. And what did he do? He bowed down before him. Now, does this man make a habit of running up to people? Does this man make a habit of rubbing up to people and bowing down before them? This man makes a habit of screaming and cutting himself. Everybody's scared of him. They run off. And so he comes, and he falls down in front of Jesus. What, what do you think is happening right there? Uh, the dem demons know who Jesus is. Is that not right? What have we already seen back over there? Have you come to judge us before our... Time, they see Jesus is here. Jesus is on the earth, and this, these demons, whoever inside this man, they see Jesus. And notice it says, seeing Jesus from a distance, they ran up and bowed down and shouted with a loud voice and said, what business do we have with each other, Jesus, son? Uh, look, does, who do they know who he is? Son of the Most High God, I implore you, my God, do not, what? Torment me. He says, what was his life like? The Bible doesn't tell us about this man before he meets Jesus, but we know whatever people open themselves up to them, it leads to trouble. So they, he says, what does he say about Jesus? You're the what? Son of God. When Satan saw Jesus, he said, if you are the Son of God, first class if in Greek, since you are the Son of God. Listen, every demon, every angel knows exactly who Jesus is, that he's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Savior of the world. He's everything. And so these demons shout out. They shout with a loud voice. What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you, my God, <clears throat> do not torment me. For he had been saying to the man, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, what is your name? Jesus is asking the demon, what's his name? Do you think Jesus knows his name? He knows everything. But I think it's for us. And I think it's for the people who are with him. And he was asking, what's your name? And he said, my name is what? Legion, for we are many. How many soldiers were in a legion, do you know? 6,000. Could there have been, let me, let me just say this. Could there have been 6,000 demons in this man? Uh, could there have been 20, 30? I mean, who knows? But something's going on, and, and this man, this demon say, we 
or their, my name's Legion, 6,000, and we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Who is this? Who's talking? Either the man's talking or the demons, but he's talking for the demons, and he's saying, don't send them, don't send them out. Don't send them out of the country. That, you know, don't, don't make us go far away. You know, our thought would be, what do you mean make you far away? We'd like to destroy you. Not go far away. We don't know. Do you guys want to mess with a demon? We sure don't. We don't have anything to do with them. So look what happens. Uh, they, they said, don't send us away. Now, there was this large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. And the demons implored him, saying, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. It seems to me that for some reason these demons want something to possess, right? And they said, Put, send us into the pigs. Jesus gave permission, coming out, the unclean spirits entered the pigs, the swine, the herd rushed down the sneak bank into the sea, and there were about 2,000. Can you imagine 2,000 pigs, big old pigs, going right down into the water and drowning? I wonder what happened to the, to the demons in those pigs. Do you know that there's a place that says when the demon leaves a person, it leaves looking for waterless places? There's some aspect that demons, I mean, I'm just saying this, it looks like they're not in favor of water. I don't know. I don't know. And so where do these pigs go? Right into the water. And so this is what I love. The herdsmen ran away and reported in the city and in the country, and the people came out to see what happened. You can see that they came running in the city. Remember the crazy guy out there? Something about pigs all ran down in the ground there. You know, so they come out, and what happens? They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed, and I love this, sitting down, clothed, and in his right man. The very man who had the legion, and they became frightened. Now, what bothers me in this passage, they don't jump up and down and cheer that this man is now back in his right mind. They're actually afraid. And what do they tell Jesus to do? They described all this. And they, verse 17, they begin to implore him to leave their region. Would you leave if you just saw? And see, this is why you can wonder if Jesus in the millennial kingdom is sitting on the throne in Jerusalem how can some people not believe in him? It's the same way that some people can see what he does here and they don't believe in him. And Jesus healed this guy's arm and they didn't believe in him. In fact, they wanted to kill him. And so look what this says. Uh, the man, he was getting into the boat. Jesus getting in the boat. The man who had been, this is verse 18, had been demons possessed was telling him, imploring him that he might, let me go with you, let me go with you. But Jesus said, no, no. You go back home. Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. Wow. So can demons possess people? Can there be a lot of demons in a person? We don't even know. I, I mean, to me, it's all so strange. It's all so different. Um, our culture, do we need demons to stop us from, from growing? Or for, no. I mean, we got materialism. We got everything. I had a friend when I was in seminary that uh, he saw, he lived in Africa. He came from Africa to go to seminary, and he became my friend. He said that, that he saw a lot more demonic stuff in Africa than he sees in the United States. What are they, listen, what about this guy? What, that, that's clothed in his right mind. What about Elamus? Elamus was a magician. And, and this is on the island of, of Cyprus, and they got there, and Paul was going through the island leading people to Christ, and this guy, the, the governor said, I want to hear the message of Jesus. And this guy, Elamus, who is a magician, tried to stop Paul from proclaiming the gospel message. This is a demon-possessed man who's giving information out. And Paul blinds him temporarily and says, you won't be able to see for a while. And then I always think of Acts 16, the slave girl. She had a spirit of divination. Let me ask you something. Can some of people demon-possessed, can they... Say something that might come true? They really might, yeah. Just because it comes true. Listen, there's places in the Old Testament that says, even if somebody uh, can say something that comes true, that still may not be from God because it may not fit the Scripture. So you have to be real careful. And I remember, this is what amazed me when this girl, what was her message? Do you remember her message when she saw Paul? These men are servants of the Most High God who will tell you the way of salvation. Does that sound good? 
But Paul said, I'm casting that demon out. Why? Because he didn't want the salvation message coming from a what? From a demon. Exactly. Exactly. So, <clears throat> let's. I think the top of the next page. How can demons harm people? Think about this. I've just got this, and we'll go fairly quickly through this. How can demons... They're, they're unable to talk. They're blind. They're seizures. There's insanity. There's suicide. Remember the little boy that said the demon cast him into the, cast him into the fire and cast him in the water hoping to drown him? Uh, insanity. Seizures. Uh, demons blinded people. Demons fixed it where people couldn't talk. So they can harm us. Uh, I want to. Did y'all? You don't have to put all that stuff up. I mean, you you you, you probably know it, or you can go look it up. It's unable to talk, blind, seizures, insanity, suicides. Uh, did y'all most everybody got that? Uh, listen, I had a friend named Dr. Mark Cameron. He started uh, Seaside Mission to the Jews in Florida. He started Florida Bible College. He taught at Tennessee Temple, which was a really conservative thing. He went to Israel. I went to Israel with him in 1976. And I asked him one time, I said, Dr. Cameron, have you ever dealt with possession? And he said, now this, this was an older man, and this is back in the 70s. He said, in my whole life, I've only seen it, I think, one time. And I asked him what happened, and he said there was this girl, blonde-headed girl that was real pretty, but she was like a mess, and she wouldn't come out of her room, and she was screaming and saying all kind of things. And her parents said, Dr. Cameron, will you come talk to her? He went into the room. He said it was weird. She had a funny look on her face. He said she was kind of wild. She, and he started telling her about Jesus. And then she started talking. And sometimes it was like weird talking and sometimes it was talking. And he said, is someone in you? And uh, the girl said, yes, but he won't let me go. That's what he said. So Dr. Cameron said, okay, Jesus, picture Jesus and he's the light. Run to the light, run to the light, run to the light. And she said, I see Jesus. And she supposedly ran to the light and helped her. I mean, whether she was demon-possessed or crazy or whatever, but he said that's the closest and only time in his whole life that he ever saw anything like that. I'm not into exorcisms. I think the movies are, you know, way out the window and all that other stuff. But... there could be demon possession today. Oh, we know that. There may be. There are people who do some horrendous, evil acts. Why do they do that? How do they do that? So anyway, I want you to see that. Uh, they can't possess us. We're already occupied. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The one in us is Jesus Christ. They, they can't do that. Here's another great verse. Uh, Colossians 3 has rescued us from the domain of what? darkness and transferred it to the kingdom of his beloved son you are not in a fallen world you may be in the world but you're not of this world you've been transferred out from the domain of darkness and you've been transferred you're rescued and been transferred to the kingdom of the beloved son and so that's that's the key so the idea that and i'm going to go quickly through the last part the idea here is that that the demons uh, the demons goal is for believers that demons goal is for believers is to influence to influence believers and influence unbelievers and maybe demon possess uh, possess unbelievers and they want to get us our focus off Jesus Christ turn it away from anything else get the focus off Christ <clears throat> I put this up um, Ouija boards I'm going to throw this out real quickly when I was about 16 or 17 maybe maybe right at 17 my twin sister and I uh, she had a boyfriend and one day somebody she he came in and he said I got a Ouija board for us to play with I didn't know what a Ouija board was. I mean, I knew, I'd heard of a Ouija board. Y'all know what it is, right? It's a board that has letters on it and things, and you put your hands on this thing, and it begins to move, and you can ask it a question, and it'll spell out things, or it'll ask yes or no. And everybody thinks it's a game, but it's not a game. It's demonic. And so he brought this into our house, and I didn't know much about it. So we started playing with it. And my twin sister and I got on it, and we were playing, and it started moving. And she said, quit moving it. I said, I'm not moving it. You moving it. No, I'm not moving it. And it moved around. And we asked questions. And it spelled out things. And it said words that I would never say to any of you in this room. And it said things like uh, that 
uh, who are you? And the thing said, whatever, I am invisible. Nobody can see me. Why do you like being invisible? So, and, and basically said so they could see people without clothes on. That's what it said. I mean, and I'm not even going to tell you the other words that it spelled out. We said, get rid, we threw it away. I have to tell you, I think it was demonic. My sister would never say that word. I would never say some of those words. And I just don't trust it. The UFO thing and all the science fiction stuff. Listen, I think UFOs, you know what they are? They're demons. That's what they are. Listen, there's not been one recorded incident of some spacecraft coming from outside our galaxy into this galaxy. That all this stuff is in the atmosphere. That's demonic, y'all. And all they want to do is get the focus off Jesus Christ. And see, UFO and science fiction says, this can't be the only world. There can't be just a real God. There, there's no God, really. There's just worlds out there to boldly go where no one has gone before, right? That's what it is. That's what it is. So be careful. Be careful. In Acts chapter 19, verses 17 through 20, they burned the occult material. He had gone in to uh, Ephesus. I think it was Ephesus there. And, uh, and the people came when uh, Paul was teaching. And the people came and brought all this um, occult material and burned it up. It was worth thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And they burned it all up. Because they knew that it was, it was wrong. It would get the focus off. Okay, so <clears throat> with that in mind, let's look at the three big areas. And we're going to look at religions and cults in the occult. And then if we get through early, uh, which we might, we can have time for some questions. Or if, as we're going through this, if you have a question... Just stop me while we're going through it because, you know, we don't have to wait to the end. But I, I, I'm just telling you that there is a spirit world out there that we don't know anything about. And you do not want to mix yourself up in it. Just be real careful. So here we go. Let's talk about religions. There's three big areas that we're going to talk about. The religions, the cults, and the occult. And I've had a lot of people think, say, aren't cults and occults the same? No, they're not. They're not. I'll tell you how they fit and what they are. Let's talk about religions. Religion, what is religion? Let me erase this. What do we always say religion is? Man trying to do what? It's man trying to please God. Listen, uh, religion is man saying, if I do this, then God will what? Will love me. He'll, bring me he'll, he'll save me. He'll put me with him. So I have to do this. I have to do these sort of things. Christianity is God doing it all. Religion, man pleasing God. Christianity is God pleasing God. That's what it is. The story of the Bible is how the what? The perfect God, he brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. It's Jesus doing it all. It's not what we do. And that's why when you think about the religions of the world, let's, let's face it, I've had people say, how do we know we're right? If you look at any religion, any group, it's always man figuring out a way to get to God. Only true Christianity is the perfect God brings his own son to be sacrificed for us so that we can, by faith, by a gift, have life forever with the perfect God. No, nothing else is even close to that. Nothing else does that. So true true. Uh, the, you know, religion is a system of works, man trying to please to get to God. Let's start with the, the religion. Let's start with the famous one, Islam. If, if you've looked at Islam and uh, you just realize that Islam is a works-based, I remember I had a guy that I was in the Bible, I was teaching a Bible study uh, when I was coaching at Mississippi State. And one night at the Bible study, a guy showed up who was a Muslim. And he came in, listened to the whole thing, and he said, this is very interesting. I said, let me ask you a question. What, what do you have to do to gain eternal life? And he said, I don't even know what you mean by eternal life. I said, what about living with God forever? He said, we don't think those terms. Uh, we think maybe if we do enough, somehow God will somehow be pleased with us in a future time. And uh, you look at Islam, you have to pray how many times a day? Do you know? Seven times a day. If, you can, if possible, you have to make a what? 
a hajj, that's to make the trip to Mecca. Uh, it's a system of works. There's certain foods, do good deeds. Uh, the goal, the ultimate goal is paradise. That's what they call it, paradise. There's a whole teaching, which I've been reading a book. Uh, I don't even know how I got it. I got it on one of those deals. It was like $1.99. It's one of those uh, digital type books. And it's about that whole aspect of uh, of where did all this come from about a person could die and have all these virgins forever to have sex with them in heaven forever. You know, that goes all the way back to this group that that were called the assassins. And they taught their, their men that if you, if you die in martyrdom, you will have the women for the rest of all eternity. And they even showed a, a guy that they just said, jump off the side of this hill. And the guy jumped off and killed himself. And he said, yeah, because he did it because he knows if he killed himself, he'll be with the virgins for the rest of eternity. And so that, that kind of stuff, you, you think about it and you go, where does that fit? How does it work? And it's a work system. Well, think about Buddhism. Buddhism, you've got to get to nirvana where the ego is extinguished. And so what do you do? You, 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 the founder, uh, you know, was in 500 B.C. And he, he says, I give you the way to enlightenment. Suffering comes from desires, and so you have to stop desires. God is an abstract, the, the, this whole thing. And so you see, how does a person in Buddhism uh, get to the, where they're supposed to get? Well, you sacrifice yourself. You just keep saying, I don't, I don't do my own desires, I don't do my own thing. And then you think a Hindu, and listen, you know the, the guys that we send to, in India, the pastor Jacob, and he has the 70-something pastors, and they go out, and we talk about them occasionally. The people they deal with the most, if they go north, they deal with Muslims who kill them. If they go south, they deal with Hindus who are very open because a Hindu at the very beginning says there are a lot of gods, and so just add another one. And they have to make it clear. No, no, no. We're not talking about adding another God. We're talking about the true God. And, of course, this whole idea, I mean, if you've seen it, where you want to get oneness with the universe, but what happens is there's karma. And if you don't live exactly right, you come back as something like a cow or you come back like as a bug or something. And then you got, you know, and so the whole idea, there's, it's reincarnation and there's no forgiveness. It's just literally you get one with the universe. Now, uh, here's what I always put down. Notice, all of this all goes back to the devil's false message of what? Doing good to get to God. Listen, if you look at it, everything that's false is doing good works to get to God, doing something to get to God. And the grace message is the thing that's true, and it's the one that's most missed, overlooked, mis maligned, everything. Say, it can't be that easy. can't be just faith in Christ. Yes, it is. It is. It's that simple. So that's, that's what we call false religions, and we've talked a lot about that before. Now let's look at cults. Now what, a, what is a cult? A cult is different from a religion. Cults are usually connected with Christianity. So I want you to understand that. It's false teaching connected usually with the Bible, Jesus, and salvation. When I teach on the cults, and we do a study sometimes on the cults, and I don't just say, here's what Mormons believe or Jehovah's Witness believes. Or this. I say, let's look at what they believe in three big areas. What do they believe about the Bible? What do they believe about Jesus? And what do they believe about salvation? That is the key. Because, listen, and you've heard me say this many, many times. If you talk to somebody and you can find out what they believe about the Bible, Jesus, and salvation, you can find out pretty much where they stand. You know, if I said, yeah, I believe the Bible is God's word. It is perfect and true. I believe Jesus is the Son of God who died and rose again. gives me eternal life. I believe salvation is a gift, not by works. You, you, you pretty much know where I stand just by those three big statements. Uh, so let's talk about cults for just a second. Cults, there's three big areas that we always deal with, the Bible, Christ, and salvation. <clears throat> and I, I want to I highlight just three of these, and, and there's many. I have a study that I did years ago. It's on the website. It's called Cults, and we take and spend about two weeks on about nine or ten different cults, just showing you what they believe and how they match up with the Bible, Christ, and salvation. You don't want to study cults just to study cults. You want to see how they match up with Scripture and to see where they're wrong. Let's think about Mormons. Uh, the first of all, how, what do they say about the Bible? Well, 
They have something besides the Bible. They have the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, the Book of Doctrine and Covenants, not counting the Bible, but the Bible has to be a King James English Bible as properly interpreted. So if you said to a Mormon, do you hold to the Bible? They would say, I hold to the King James Bible, but I also have the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, the Doctrine and Covenants. So they always add something to it. That's just what happens. When they talk about Jesus, Jesus in Mormonism, now you may not know this, Jesus was born of Mary and Adam God, a man who became God as they believe that they will. Do you understand that in Mormonism, Jesus came from Adam, who is Adam and Eve in the garden. He becomes a God. He comes down and has sex with Mary, and Jesus was born. Okay? And they also believe that Jesus was born in Jerusalem. So when you talk to a Mormon and they say, we worship the same as you, and you say, no, you got different books, you got a different Jesus. Your Jesus came from Adam, God, and Virgin Mary. Our Jesus came from the Holy Spirit and Mary. And your Jesus was born in Jerusalem. Our Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And that's their thing. And then on salvation, as always, it's always faith and works. They'll say, you believe, but you have to do works. You believe, and you have to do works. And ultimately, it's not really faith. Because once you add one work, what do you have? You have works. Okay, that's Mormonism. And, and uh, we're, we're not going to get into all that. I just want you to see it. Here's Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, they come to your door sometimes. Uh, do they have a Bible? Well, they do, but they also have the Watchtower. Watchtowers, their stuff, that's their other writings. That's just the same as par as the Bible. And you need to know the Watchtower. And for them, Jehovah is the true God, not Jesus. Jesus is not the God. He's what? A God. Their Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God, not the God, Jesus Christ. So Jehovah is the true God, and we know you that Jehovah's Witnesses, we told you that there is even no such word in the Bible as Jehovah. It's YHWH, which is the personal name of God, and the name Adonai, and you take the vowels from uh, Adonai and the constants from YHWH, and it spells out the name Jehovah. That's where Jehovah came from. And so they say that that Jehovah is the true God. Jesus is not the God. He's a God, and he's not the Savior. So you get a lot of confusion there. And, of course, salvation by works of the law. When I was coaching at Mississippi State, we had this football player. Up, and he's a linebacker, and he was tough as nails, and I really loved him. But <clears throat> he got mixed up. And he started going to Jehovah's Witnesses, and I asked him, what? What are you doing? He said, I just like all the rules. I like, I like to know the rules. I like to know what I have to do, because that Jehovah's Witnesses had all the things that he had to do to be saved. And so you've got to be careful on that. The third one, I throw this one out. A lot of people hadn't even heard of Reverend Sun Moon, Sun Young Moon. Uh, he, he believed this. He believed that he was the third Adam. Here's what he believed. He believed the first Adam sinned. Who is that? Adam in the garden. He believed that the second Adam, who was Christ. Now, the Bible doesn't call Jesus the second Adam. It calls him the what? Last Adam. So be careful. He called Jesus the second Adam, and he said Jesus fell because he got crucified. And Reverend Sun Moon believed that he was the third Adam, and he had to do good works for salvation. And that You ever heard of the Moonies? Who's heard of the Moonies? Anybody heard of the Moonies? That's them right there. So, just giving you an idea of a false, you know, of a cult, of, of cults. They're out there. They're everywhere. There is um, a lot of good books on on cults and the occult, and we'll talk more about the occult in a minute. But there are a lot of good books on cults. I've got one book, um, and I keep my mind's completely blank on the author, uh, but he takes every cult you can name. And he deals this, you know, that much in a book with what each of them and how they fit, what do they believe, how, do they, how does it match what we do when we say, how does it match what we believe about Jesus, how does it match what we believe about Christ, uh, about the, the Bible, how do we believe, what about salvation. It's all the way through. It's a really good book, and I'll think of his name maybe a little bit later if, I can, if it'll come back to me. But I have that book, and there are a lot of books out there that you can go and just... Uh, um, book on cults or something like that, you can go to Amazon, and there's some really good ones that come up that'll give you a quick overview of all the cults. There's also uh, some that'll give you a quick overview of the false religions. The one that I have, and I can't think of his name, has both religions and cults in it. 
and it's really, really good. And so if you just said, what do these people believe? I mean, think about this. How would you, how would you know what to do if a Mormon came to your door? What would you say? Uh, let me give you a hint. Don't tell them that you want to listen to what they have to say because you don't. You can say to them at the very start, listen, I, I know what Mormons believe. I don't believe it. If you would like me to tell you the true message of Jesus Christ from the Word of God, I would be glad to do that. I don't need to listen to what you believe as a Mormon because I've already studied it and rejected it. Would you like for me to tell you the true message about Jesus Christ? That's what I do. And usually they leave. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, they do. They do. Jehovah's Witnesses will come with a young person, to, usually two young people. They come to your door and you tell them you're not interested. They'll come back with two young people and an older person. And they send little old ladies. Usually little ladies. The Mormons, they'll always say this. This is what they'll say. I know I'm right because of the burning of the breast. That's what they say. I know I'm right because I feel it right here. And I say, I think you just got heartburn. I think that's what you got, my man. You know, uh, I mean, we hate to say it in silly ways, but the truth is, these people are leading a lot of people astray. Do um, you know what the biggest denomination that goes from their denomination to Mormonism, do you know what it is? What do you think it is? It's Southern Baptist. Isn't that wild? It is. It is. It seems that a lot of people, see, you know, they act like it's the same or it's real close. And and when you talk to Mormons, they have a, they believe that you know you have to live a good life. It's just like my story. If you had seen me at sixteen or seventeen years old, you would have thought that I was a Christian, because I believed you had to be good to go to heaven. So I lived good. I went off to college at age nineteen, wandered into a Bible study, heard the message of Jesus Christ and salvation by faith alone in Christ alone for eternal life, and I believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life. And then I, I did not, I grew for a little bit, and then I didn't grow. And I was at Mississippi State, and I had a sports car, and I had a lot of things, and, and I didn't live very well for a while. If you'd have seen me at Mississippi State in the early years, you might have said that he is not a what? Christian. You cannot go by lifestyle. Beforehand, I, had, I thought I had to be good to go to heaven, so I looked good. After, I believe now, I understand that it's the gift of God and I'm saved forever. And I didn't live as good. Now, you know, I, God dealt with me and I started growing and went on to seminary and got to be a pastor and did all the stuff I get to do. But you've got to be really careful because all these groups, like Mormons and those things, they all look good. Because if you've got to have works for salvation, what do you got to do? You've got to do good works if you've got to have works for salvation. You know, that, let me just throw this out. I... I wandered into that Bible study, and I didn't want to be there because when I was set, when I was um, about 12 years old, we went to a church, and they took us to Sunday school, and we got in the Sunday school room, and I had been to church one other time in my life, and the teacher, most of you know my story, the teacher said, we're all going to pray, and they're going around the room, and I thought, pray, I have never prayed. I said, if I can never get out of this room, I will never go back, and it got right here, and it got to this guy, so I listened to what he prayed. I prayed the same thing he prayed. My twin sister prayed the same thing I prayed, and I said, I'm never going back again. The only thing I do remember that was good is they had donuts in between <laughs> church and Sunday. So when I wandered into that Bible study that night, what was my first thought? You know what, they may ask me to pray. I'm standing against the wall, and I didn't know it was a Bible study, and I said, oh, my gosh, I'm in a Bible study. I hope they don't ask me to pray. That didn't work so well last time. And that's the night I heard the message of Jesus Christ. But if you would have looked at me, you might have thought I was a Christian because I lived good because I thought you had to be good. I thought there was this big thing, and if you did more good than bad, you know, like that, you're okay. And God says, well, you've done more good than bad. And I, I always said, if I do a bad, I'll do at least two goods. Can you imagine keeping up with that mess? You know, that's why when I heard the gospel message that Jesus died and rose again, paying for all my sins, conquering death, and giving me as a gift eternal life and I could be with him forever, that changed everything. Listen, if you, if you ever grew up with works, you understand how, how dangerous, how damaging it is to, to think that good works will save you. 
because you never can get it because you never know if you've done enough to get there. That's why Reformed theology doesn't work because Reformed theology says you have to be good all the way to the end and you're never going to know. And that's why the other view is that if you sin, do something wrong, you lose it. And then you've got to try to start all over. So let's get the last group is the occult. And the last lesson That'll be next week that's actually in your book. And then we'll have another lesson after that. But the last lesson, the, the word occult comes from the Latin word occultus, which means to hide something hidden or secret. So occult is the idea of something that's hidden and special and all those kind of things. I'm going to put some things up. Uh, let me give you some aspects. Let's see. And, and, and like uh, yoga. You know, I, listen, I don't mean this bad. But do you understand that in real yoga... Real yoga, the the positions you put your body in is what opens yourself up to demonic influence. It's not an exercise. You, you know, it's not. And then Ouija boards, UFOs, uh, I don't, deviation school of magic. Oh, my gosh. Palm readers, tarot cards. They, they, you know, they're, they're crystal balls. You know, we laugh at that. But people, there's fortune tellers, mediums, seances, uh, transcendental meditation. TM, channeling. Listen, uh, when I did a study on the cults one time, I did a study of this woman. She was 30, 38 years old, blonde-headed, kind of a real pretty lady. And she believed that she was a channeler for a 4,000-year-old wise man. And she would bring people in, and they would pay her money to sit there and suddenly bring up this man who lived 4,000 years ago, and he would speak through her. And people pay money for that. And we go, what is wrong with you? I mean, think about that. And ch- transcendental meditation, D- you know, TM and all that stuff, medium seances. And, you know, we already read back on, uh, on that passage um, <clears throat> in Deuteronomy. That don't mess with any of that stuff. What happened to King Saul? He, who did he see last night before he died? He saw a witch of Endor. He said, he did what was right. He said, no more witches. But they still had them hidden out there. And when he got into trouble and God wouldn't answer him, because why? Because he's out of fellowship with God. He says, go find me a witch. Maybe I can get some information. And so he goes and they find this witch at Endor, a little, town, little place called Endor. And she says, I'm not supposed to do this because King Saul will get me. And this, she's talking to King Saul. And he said, no, 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 you're going to be all right. And she's going to bring up Samuel, as that's what she thinks. But she has never brought up anything. And all of a sudden, the real Samuel comes up. She screams. She goes crazy because she has never seen anything like that. God actually brought up Samuel to give Saul his final message. But later on in Second Chronicles, it says, Why did Saul lose his kingdom? Because he went, after, went with witchcraft and all those kind of things. You have to be really, really, really careful on all this kind of stuff. Uh, fortune tellers, uh, t- palm readers. And, and let me just say this. In my life, I sometimes thought like, what if you just went in there? No, you don't want to go in there. You don't want to have anything to do with it. You just don't. So here's what, it can, this can open a person up to the hidden evils of the spirit world. So beware of anything doing that. It gets us sidetracked anyway. So be beware. Next time we're going to go a little bit more on the occult. Let me give you <clears throat> some applications. And then um, we'll give you the quiz. So you can make 100 next time. As you all do every time. Okay. Okay. Understand the goal in the plan of demons. What is it? To possess unbelievers. And that's too simple. It's really to to possess and influence. I mean, they don't possess every unbeliever. They don't try to possess unbeliever, but they want to influence everybody <clears throat> if they can. Remember this. There is Satan who controls the fallen world, and this fallen world affects our what? Our flesh. And so in Satan and this world, and this world is full of demons. And so there's this whole plan to somehow get us and stop us. So for us, it wants to influence us and get off, get off track, do something else for the, to the, the unbeliever, either possess them, especially at the time of Christ. It was everywhere. And listen, people have raised questions like, why did it seem to be so much demon possession when Jesus was on the earth? 
I think it's because Jesus was on the earth. He's the Son of God, and there's the conflict between Satan and Jesus. And I think when Jesus came to the earth, Satan, who is the prince of the power of the air, you know, sped it up a little bit. The second one, let's understand the three big areas of the demonic spirit world. False religion, cults, and the occult. False religion is what? Man doing good works to please God. The cults are those dealing with primarily what? Christianity. They take the name of Jesus and they use it. And then the occult is, what does the word occult mean? Hidden. Hidden, Something hidden. Okay. And then last, stand strong in God's power. Do not open ourselves to false religions, cults, or the occult. Now, it's out there everywhere. It's out there everywhere. So be beware and be careful.